Good morning. As uh, Glenn is at a family reunion, he agreed to let me back up here. (laughs) But in all seriousness, there's nothing more I enjoy than diving into scripture with my church family. So I hope everyone had a good week, whether you went to the fair or just spending some summer nights with your family. It's been a good week for me anyways. Um, Today I would like to connect a couple of common words to what scripture has to say about their meanings in our lives. The first word is rest. This word, by definition, sounds like a simple thing. It is something everyone needs, but seems to often be just out of reach. Scientists have finally discovered exactly how much sleep a human being needs. Does anyone know? Just five minutes more. Is that how we feel sometimes? (laughs) Take a moment to think about what the word rest means to you. Does it mean getting off work a few hours early? Does it mean taking the kids to grandma's house and sitting and reading a book quietly? Does it mean taking a long nap every afternoon? Does it mean taking a vacation once a year with your family or by yourself? What is our expectation of true rest and how do we find it? Today I would like to take a look at a verse in the Bible that is fairly well known. If you would please open your Bibles to Matthew 11. 25 through 30. As you are turning there, I would like to introduce the second word of focus today, and this word is growth. Growth can happen in many ways. We can grow in our relationships with one another. We can grow as individuals looking to better our lives. We can grow physically. Physical rest and physical growth go hand in hand. According to National Institute of Children's Health and Development, during sleep, your body produces hormones that help your body grow and throughout life build muscle, fight illness, repair damages to the body. Growth hormone, for example, is produced during sleep and is essential for growth and development. Without rest, or in this case sleep, our bodies do not function or grow as they should, especially as children. But today I don't plan to discuss your physical health or give you a lecture on how much sleep you need every night. I want to focus on the spiritual side of rest and growth. Number one, rest for our soul. And number two, growth in our spiritual life. So let's now take a look at the scripture, Matthew eleven twenty-five 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This passage of scripture offers a profound invitation and promise of rest. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30 holds words spoken by our Savior, Jesus Christ himself. So let us dive into this beautiful passage and discover the significance of finding true rest in Christ. Jesus begins by extending a heartfelt invitation to all who are tired and exhausted. 
I would say that this includes mental exhaustion, emotional exhaustion, anything that would empty your cup, per se, leaving you feeling drained. May this be motherhood, stresses at work, a rocky marriage, suffering a loss, financial burdens. He says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What a compassionate call from our Lord. But is God just asking us to come and take a big nap on his couch? It is essential to understand that the rest he offers is not merely physical relaxation or temporary relief. It is a profound rest that permeates our souls and brings peace to our hearts. It is a rest that comes from being in a personal relationship with him. Jesus promises to give us rest from the weariness caused by sin, by guilt, and the struggles of life. He offers us freedom from the heavy burdens that we carry. Burdens we were never meant to bear alone. When we respond to Jesus' invitation, he assures us of rest. To do this, we are asked to take up his yoke. Jesus continues in verse 29 saying, Take up my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. The imagery of the yoke is powerful. And as I'm sure maybe some of us, especially children, I know when I first heard this verse as a child, I thought this was the yellow egg yolk, and I thought to myself, how do you pick that up? (laughs) But this is not what Jesus is referring to. In biblical times, a yoke was a wooden bar placed on the shoulders of oxen to join them together in pulling a load and working together. It represents a shared burden and a shared responsibility. Jesus invites us to exchange our burdensome yokes for his yoke. I struggled to find or think of a modern connection, modern-day example to this, but it did make me think a little bit of a canoe. If you've ever been in a canoe with a partner, think about that experience that you've had. A couple of times I have done a canoe trip at Turkey Run State Park, and canoeing is definitely work, And working well with someone makes the experience far more enjoyable. When two people paddle a canoe, it requires coordination, teamwork, to move the canoe efficiently through the water. The back paddler often takes the lead and calls out instructions or signals. To move forward, both paddlers dip their paddles in the water on opposite sides of the canoe. They push the paddle blade through the water and pull it back towards himself. This propels the canoe forward. The paddlers should strive to maintain synchronized paddling, rhythm. They should aim to have their paddles enter and exit the water at the same time to maximize efficiency. This coordination helps prevent the canoe from veering off course. Effective communication between the paddlers is vital. They should discuss their paddling strategy, coordinate their actions, and provide feedback to each other. This teamwork enables them to work together more efficiently and effectively. Um, My husband, Corey, and I are not bad at canoeing together, but on one trip, I actually think it was with our youth group several years ago when we went, we had a pair of paddlers, teenagers, um, and it did not go great. They were not great at working together or communicating. They spent most of their time spinning in circles, going backwards or struggling to get themselves out of corners or around logs. By the end of it, several emotions were on display. 
frustration, disappointment, exhaustion. In your life, try and think of the one person who you would never want to be in a canoe with. Don't say it out loud. (laughs) What about that one person who would be a great partner? Or even better, what about the master of all things, Jesus Christ? Why would I want to choose anyone else to be my life partner in steering me through the river of life? If that river represented my life, I would want Jesus there guiding me, communicating with me, giving me feedback, pointing me in the right direction. Why would I yoke myself to anything other than Jesus, my Lord and Savior? This makes sense, right? As we paddle ourselves in circles and make ourselves exhausted, take a look at what is in the back of your canoe, guiding your life. Taking a nap is not going to solve the problems. It is not going to give rest to your soul. Actually, taking a nap in a canoe is likely to leave you beached, stuck, or even worse, cascading down a waterfall into a fate of rocks and splinters. Finding rest and learning to grow requires a perfect partner. As we think about that metaphor of a yoke that Jesus uses, or even the paddler in the back of our canoe, what are we yoked to? Or who is the guide in the back of our canoes? What yoke have we picked up and put on our shoulders that's not working or that is too heavy for us to bear? In my readings this week, an author named Rob Renfro named four common yokes that humans often burden themselves under. Number one, being the prover. Provers feel they need to do more, achieve more, possess more, and or be seen as more than others. They are certain that once they achieve enough, they will be able to love themselves or that God and others will love them more. The problem? There is never a finish line to that race. There was always more to prove. There will always be someone that does it better. Number two, the pleaser. If I just run myself ragged doing what others want me to do, fulfilling every request and never saying no, if I jump through every hoop, people will love me and God will love me. The problem? They find themselves not at peace but worn out, burdened, and resentful. Number three is the rescuer. It feels good to be told, we can't do it without you. It makes us feel important when we hear, we've thought about it and prayed about it, and you're the only one who can do this. The problem? We feel as though we matter until we are no longer needed. And then we don't know who we are, or until we face a problem that we can't fix. And then we feel like failures. And number four, the selfist. This is the yoke of the person who says, I live for me, for my pleasures, for my plans, and my happiness comes first. The problem? People who live for themselves usually end up by themselves, alone and miserable, and sometimes even caught up in addictions. Unlike any of these, Jesus' yoke is a yoke of relationship and perfect love. Jesus acknowledges the struggles and challenges we face in this world. He understands the burdens that weigh us down physically, emotionally, and spiritually. 
In his infinite love, Jesus invites us to bring our weariness and burdens to him and lay them at his feet. Back to 29 and 30. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His yoke is different because it's coupled with his gentle and humble nature. Unlike the burdens of this world, Jesus' yoke is light and well-fitted to our lives. When we take on his yoke, we align ourselves with him, allowing him to guide and direct our steps. We find rest not by avoiding responsibilities, but by partnering with Christ, who leads us with compassion, with wisdom, and with grace. Jesus is asking you to stop chasing things that leave you empty and exhausted. This is now where we can focus on the word growth. As we take on Jesus' yoke, he invites us to learn from him. He is the ultimate teacher, the perfect example of love, humility, and righteousness. In learning from him, we discover the true purpose of our lives and the path to genuine rest. We find rest as we walk in his ways, as we align our thoughts, our actions, and desires with his teachings. We join Jesus in his work. I did say work, but Emily, this is supposed to be about rest, not work. Yes, but we know that we are now taking or talking about discipleship. This is what Jesus is describing, discipleship. The invitation and promise of rest in Matthew remain relevant to us today. Jesus beckons us to come to him, to lay down our weariness and our burdens at his feet. Rest does not mean that we will be free of all nuisances and hassles. It means freedom from being so easily bothered by them. And who better to consult with about our problems than the, ones who, the one who designed you and loves you the most? He promises us rest for our souls, a deep and abiding peace that can only be found in him. In a world full of busyness, anxiety, and burdens— let us find solace and rest in the loving arms of Jesus Christ. May we embrace his gentle and humble nature, allowing him to guide our lives and grant us the rest we so desperately need. Remember, it is in him that we find true rest, and it is through him that we experience abundant eternal life. Working alongside Jesus means joining him in his mission to bring salvation and love to the world. Just as Jesus invited his disciples to follow him, he invites us to become his co-laborers, spreading the message of the gospel and embodying his love in all we do. We become agents of his grace, sharing his truth and participating in the restoration of humanity. As we are yoked to Jesus, he promised to send the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, empowering and equipping us for the work ahead. As we work alongside Jesus, we are not alone, but filled with spirit, the Spirit's guidance, wisdom, and power. The Holy Spirit enables us to bear witness to Christ, to perform acts of kindness and mercy to those around us, and to navigate the challenges that come our way. We rely on his strength as we serve alongside our Savior. This is where we can learn to grow spiritually. Working alongside Jesus leads us to the transformation of our own character. 
As we spend time with him, learning from his teachings and observing his life, we become more like him. Our hearts become more compassionate. Our actions become more selfless. And our motives begin to align with his. Jesus molds us into vessels of his love and grace, gradually conforming us to his image. We are then able to set aside our own expectations and practice humility that will allow room for God to adjust our agendas and quit paddling in circles. Paul expresses his frustration with sinful agendas and exhaustion in Romans. I need to apologize to Mike. There were a lot of uh, (laughs) do's and (laughs) what I do. Austin asked me, how many are in there? Romans 7, 15 through 25, which Mike read to us earlier, is a passage from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans, where he described the inner struggle between his desire to do what is right and his experience of falling short. In this passage, Paul begins by acknowledging the conflict within himself. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. That was verse 15. He expresses the frustration of knowing what is right, yet finding himself unable to consistently live up to those standards. This tension between his desire to do good and his inclination to sin creates an inner turmoil for him. Paul continues, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. That's verse 18. Here, Paul recognizes the inherent weakness of human nature. Referred to as the flesh in this context, he understands that his own strength, he is with his own strength, he is unable to fulfill God's perfect standard of righteousness. As Paul reflects on his struggle, he vividly portrays the battle between his mind and his flesh. For I do not do good, I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. That was verse 19. He is painfully aware of the conflict between his renewed mind, which desires to honor God by taking up the yoke of Jesus, and the lingering effects of his own sinful nature. In this passage, Paul reveals the universal human condition, that despite our best intentions, we often find ourselves falling into sin, paddling through life with the wrong guide. He admits his inability to save himself and expresses his desperate need for deliverance. In verse 24, he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Finally, Paul points to us the ultimate source of victory, the grace of God through Jesus Christ. In verse 25, he says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He acknowledges that true deliverance from the power of sin is found in picking up the yoke of Jesus. It is through faith in Jesus, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection that we receive forgiveness for our sin and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Through the Spirit's power, we are enabled to live a life that honors God and gradually experience victory over the power of sin and relief from weariness and burdens. Here are a few things to remember when we start to feel weary, burdened, and exhausted. Number one, 
Jesus shows compassion for our circumstances. He listens to us. He's there for us. Number two, we are blessed with grace and love. And number three, our expectations in life should be guided by the reality of God's word. As I conclude, I believe that Jesus' words are genuine and a genuine offer of rest. While we learn to give all we have, lay everything we are consumed with at the feet of Jesus, we then begin to grow. We ask Jesus to help us paddle through life. We let him be in control. Something better than a nap. A partner in life who already knows what is absolutely best for us and can guide us through the most fulfilling life of discipleship and love. In his book, The Easy Yoke, Douglas Webster said it this way. Is not love better than hate, purity better than lust, reconciliation better than retaliation, and is not better really easier when measured in character rather than convenience? Rest for the soul rather than selfish pride. Please join me in a prayer. Lord, as we leave from here, help us to remember that Christ offers his yoke, promising to come alongside and stick with us no matter where our journey takes us. So when we start to feel overwhelmed and life is too much, we know that we can take up the yoke of you, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Emily, for that message. I uh, pray that you have a blessed week as you go from this place.